I hate the way you talk to me and the way you cut your hair. I hate the way you drive my car. I hate it when you stare. I hate your big dumb combat boots and the way you read my mind. I hate you so much it makes me sick. It even makes me rhyme. Hello and welcome to You Should See the Other Guy, the podcast where we watch a romantic comedy and tell you why the person who picked between two or more people chose the wrong one. I'm Jennifer. I'm Samantha. And I'm Sadie. And today we are talking about, we're back to 1999, everybody. The last year, movies were great because the present is a hellscape and we all want to return to 1999. The last year, things were good. Um, That's not true, but it was a great year for movies. Uh, did I say the movie yet? I'm being terrible at this introduction. 10 Things I Hate About You, Julia Stiles, Heath Ledger, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who probably has some shortened version of his celebrity name that I never learned. Did people call him like J- Joe Gelly? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so K- Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Joe Galley, <laughs> as we'll call Hashtag him, Joe is Galley. Cameron James. He's a <laughs> he is a recent transplant to a Seattle area high school that is actually in Tacoma IRL. Uh, but much of the rest of this was filmed in my current residence of Seattle, so I was pleased with that. Bonus point. And he shows up at high school, and he oh, this is a Taming of the Shrew adaptation. So, you know, Shakespeare. Anyway, he falls for Bianca Stratford, who's a sophomore girl. And then like the the nerd who shows him around mean girl style, like here's the sexually active band geeks. Here's the like mean hot people. His name is Michael. And he says like, oh, you shouldn't date Bianca because she's like spoiled. And also her OBGYN dad has some rule. He's an OBGYN, right? He talks yes. about delivering babies. <laughs> yes, okay. he is indeed. <laughs> Kissing is not what keeps him up to his elbows in placenta all day. He's just a receptionist that's like unrelated. <laughs> 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 yeah, Sadie, I was gonna say, I hope that's not just like his hobby or something. Yeah. Like that. He uh, like moonlights as a doula. Because up to then, I, yeah, up to then, I had not had any clue of his occupation. And then, it, or maybe I just wasn't paying enough attention. And so that, that line comes out, and I'm like, oh, wait, this man is delivering babies <laughs> constantly. <laughs> Anyway, he is uh, has some draconian rules about Bianca dating, uh, and she can't date unless her older sister, Kat, who's a bitter, angry feminist, um, <laughs> s- starts to date. Kat is a senior who wants to go to Sarah Lawrence on the East Coast, which her dad doesn't like. Uh, Sarah Lawrence is like, come on. <laughs> I mean, I get from a writing perspective what they're going for with this kind of like feminist caricature, but Sarah Lawrence is just laying it on a little thick, isn't it? So Kat has no interest in dating, but here's where the whole scheme of the movie comes in. Cameron and Michael, correct me if I don't have a good understanding of this, Jen, come up with a plan to get Patrick Verona, Heath Ledger, dreamy, you know, just being introduced to American audiences, Heath Ledger, Patrick Verona to date Kat so that Cameron can date Bianca. And they're going to pay Heath Ledger to date Julia Stiles so that Cameron can date Bianca. Here's where it gets slightly more complicated because mm-hmm. they do not have the funds to run this operation. So they need to acquire what David described or Michael excuse me, David is the name of the actor, describes as a backer, someone with money who is stupid. And here enters Joey Eat Me Donner, played by Andrew Keegan, the male model of the high school, who also would like to, I guess, check Bianca off of his list of virgins he has slept with in high school. Gag. So they make him think that he's like running the show. So he pays Heath Ledger. But meanwhile, Cameron and Michael are scheming to try to help Heath Ledger successfully date Kat, who is like inhumanly not interested in dating young Heath Ledger initially. Yeah, there are layers of complication that my brain fails to understand. I feel like I would have to be better at geospatial reasoning to understand (laughs) 
some <laughs> of this movie. Um, but so the, the schemes all play out. We see like Bianca and Cameron kind of connecting and then Kat against her druthers starts falling in love with Heath Ledger a little bit. Their dates become more romantic. He famously, and I think this is the most iconic scene in the movie, sings for her for, on the like band shell by the football stadium. And for some reason, that's such a terrible offense that the school police try to arrest him. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> the school police like force. singing is illegal at this high school. <laughs> I get that it's probably because he hijacked the like, um, what is it, the speaker system? But like, just let him vibe. I don't get the big deal. <laughs> yeah, it feels like the kind of thing that would happen at an American high school. And like, maybe you'd get like a day detention or a talking to about it. He wouldn't get like arrested. For- <laughs> he got arrested and sent to ISS. <laughs> the International Space Station? <laughs> In school suspension, Samantha. Oh, uh, <laughs> I did. I did not know that acronym. I know that I. I would like this movie. I mean, I already like it, but it would be amazing if he got exiled to the, to the space station for stealing an amp. <laughs> Come with us, Patrick. Where are you taking me? <laughs> <laughs> Ten, nine, eight. Hey, wait. <laughs> You're a cosmonaut now, Patrick. Because uh, they would send him in a Russian spacecraft, I guess. Anyway, my brain is melted. I've slept in three hour spurts uh, three times over the last 48 hours. Blah, 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 blah. So then, like, the prom happens. And that's when, like, the classic movie moment of, like, you were doing this all for a dare or a bet, or you were doing it all for money, and it wasn't real to you, was it, kind of happens. Uh, So even though Bianca, like, punches the male model dude to defend Cameron's honor and gets with Cameron, we leave the prom with Kat Julia Stiles and Patrick Heath Ledger, disconnected, wounded, but then... Kat, who was assigned earlier in the film to write her own version of a Shakespearean sonnet, reads a poem from which the title of the film originates, 10 Things I Hate About You, where it's like... I have this poem on... (laughs) I have this poem on my wall. If I have a big framed (laughs) picture of, of the script of this poem... If you'd like me to do a dramatic reading of it. Please do. That would Ahem. just make our summary a thousand times better. Ahem. Ahem. I hate the way you talk to me and the way you cut your hair. I hate the way you drive my car. I hate it when you stare. I hate your big dumb combat boots and the way you read my mind. I hate you so much it makes me sick. It even makes me rhyme. I hate the way you're always right. I hate it when you lie. I hate it when you make me laugh. Even worse when you make me cry. I hate it that you're not around and the fact that you didn't call. But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. End scene. Oh, and the Beautiful. perfect part where her voice cracks when she says "cry." <laughs> that he was apparently one take. Like <laughs> that. That scene is a great Julia Stiles performance. Uh, it's one of those weird lines where, like, the it it's like this kind of silly rhyming poem, but then, like, you know, sometimes you can just write something very plaintive that has emotional power. It starts out, and I'm like, this might be the worst thing I've ever heard. And then by the end, I'm like, okay, that works for me. Like, I like this. I tend to think Kat might have more literary ability, but let's let's talk about that later. So anyway, then Kat and Patrick are like, oh, we love each other now. And here's a guitar that I bought with all the money I made <laughs> dating you, which honestly seems like a great scheme to just get like a Fender Strat out of and then like still end up together yeah yeah Yeah. end of end of movie i would be fine with somebody getting paid to date me if they used it to bribe school band directors to sing songs to me in the stadium and bought me guitars and whatever i i think a lot about the 
precise amount of money he is paid in this movie and how he managed to stretch it as far as he did. But this movie is still mostly perfect and I love it. I always think it's so funny how the money... I I always forget how little money it really is. Like in the grand scheme of things, I don't know. I'd be like, I need at least $500. But he's like, make it 30. (laughs) In in 2020 dollars, you can buy, you know, one sandwich with with that. Not a plot point, but also letters to Cleo and save Ferris are both in this movie. (laughs) One of them in a dramatic helicopter rooftop shot. Closing out the movie, playing on top of the high school. Oh, yes. He also hired save Ferris to come play a song for Cat at the prom, right? Yeah. Like I was- they, they should have cost more than a Fender guitar. <laughs> I hope. I want you they were just- to want me. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> what was the line, Jen, that they used to, to like explain away Save Ferris being there? Was it the classic, like, I pulled some strings? He goes, that's- I called in a favor. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which which brings I know we should talk about general reactions but maybe my general reaction is was he supposed to have an American accent and then they realized Heath Ledger at this point in his career could not convincingly do that (laughs) so they added a line that was like oh I was raised in Australia for the first 10 years of my life I mean yeah probably (laughs) (laughs) I feel like they just thought that like part of his hotness is just that he also it, like has an accent. Like it just adds to it, the whole vibe. Yeah, but there were parts earlier where it sounded like, are you trying to keep a lid on it a little bit? And then they, then he kind of loosens his belt as the movie goes on. By the end, he's just like, hey, let's just throw a boomerang around, Sheila. Like, <laughs> okay, no, actually, Save Ferris was just already playing their high school prom. And it was Letters to Cleo, in fact, who he called in the favor from. Oh, interesting me. still. <laughs> I love that that's just code for like, we wanted to put this popular band or this celebrity cameo in the movie is someone being just... Just like I called in a favor where oh the story God. about how Patrick is able to like get letters to Cleo to the prom is maybe more interesting than this already interesting romance, you know? Okay, no, I am also a thousand percent right there with you. Because first of all, how old this kid cannot be older than 18. I mean, even if he was held back a year or whatever, maybe 19 super max age and is still in high school and when Michael and Cameron first go to like talk to him about their scheme to hook him up with Kat he's in a bar drinking beer and like gambling and playing pool amongst like grown biker adults and they come up with a plan to send him to Club Skunk where Kat's favorite indie band who turns out to be Letters to Cleo or whatever is playing and when he enters Club Skunk wearing the most amazing pair of gleaming shining vinyl pants I about like it, it, there's just one scene of him walking down a hallway and it's like all women in there except him and I don't know where he got those pants from but he is wearing them and then the bartender at Club Skunk presumably the lesbian club that serves as a venue for uh, you know women indie rockers also addresses him by name and brings him what appears to be like a bourbon or a whiskey so like yeah. what is this kid doing in his like <laughs> maybe he didn't call in a favor he knows them all like Personally, I don't know. I feel like this is grim, but I feel like he might be never been kissing this high school a little bit. Oh. I don't know. He just That's seems it. like he knows too many people to be a high school senior, <laughs> but suspension of disbelief moment. This movie, I just love the writing so much and the way all the lines are delivered. It is so quotable to me about like when, when Cameron and Michael enter that bar and Cameron like touches like a matchbook and Michael's like, don't touch anything. You may get hepatitis. And you know, like (laughs) 
And when they set up the party at Bogey Lowenstein, future MBA's parents' mansion to get some payback for Bogey Lowenstein starting a rumor that Michael buys his eyes odds at an outlet mall. That is the classic. I remember I took my cousin with me to see this. I saw it once in theaters. Um, We would have been 13 at the time and I was so into it. My cousin came to visit me and we went back and saw it at the late showing at 9pm like a real badass grown up teenagers and she could not stop fucking losing it over the line with the doorbell rings at Bogey Lowenstein's place and he says that must be Nigel with the brie and then the it's house so good it's so good Sadie <laughs> you like this movie enough to have artwork I do I have I have not one but two separate pieces of art about 10 things I hate about you in my room and this moment. It's just all of the characters are so interesting and iconic. And also, so much of it is timeless and like still relevant. Like one of my um, my favorite scenes group of scenes in the movie is when she's in her English class and the teacher, I forget his name, Mr. Morgan, I think. Um, Mr. Morgan. Like, yeah, all of everything he says, I'm like, damn, this shit still is, it hits. Like, this is still real. Like, it's so funny. Like, it's so, it's so well paced and good. Mr. Morgan is already calling Kat on her, like, her baby nascent white feminism like yes at the beginning like it's got such a good sense of humor about itself and it's also like it in some it it knows that it's about teenagers like i understand that sometimes heath ledger's character feels a little like you know you wouldn't ever meet this kind of person in high school but it's just it's so good like the the relationship between bianca and cameron is so like puppy love sophomore you know um it's just so good (laughs) so i this this is my second time seeing it so it's not like a long time favorite for me but i really enjoy it and part of what i enjoy about it is like just how many characters there are you know um characters who are not essential to the plot get a lot of love you know like Allison Janney is the guidance counselor who's like (laughs) writing like erotica in all of her spare moments or like Sadie said the the teacher Mr. Morgan uh there's just such like rich fun characters and and this sort of it reminds me a lot of whatever movie we did last week that I really enjoyed the mummy right (laughs) where you've you've got a rich colorful cast yeah and it kind of takes its time like getting to know people it doesn't feel the need to like rush things along or to just do a I love the opening especially because whereas like 2000s teen movies just started like it had become such a formula by then that they just did this shorthand of like here's a quick montage of everyone you need to know at the high school these are the popular girls these are the blah 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 you actually get to like experience that first day at a new school energy alongside Joe Gallo. Um, Joe Gelly. <laughs> Joe <laughs> and, <Gally>. and, <laughs> and like, I just appreciate that, that 1999 pace. I... If you want to murder yourself, you should watch this and then immediately watch the Kissing Booth movies. Because (laughs) that, (laughs) the whiplash of that will just take you right out. (laughs) I feel like I'm just emotionally traumatized enough by current events that if I did that, (laughs) I would literally end up in the hospital today. And then, you know, they'd have to ask what I was there for. And I would be like, I watched The Kissing Booth 2 right after 10 Things I Hate About You. (laughs) And they would be like, shit, understandable. Start an IV drip on this woman's stat. We got another one. (laughs) Code Purple. God, and everybody, this movie is so charming. Obviously, Andrew Keegan is Joey Donner. He just delightfully, this is the definitely the best thing he ever acted in. By the way, we will circle back around to the fact in a minute that in real life, he started a religion that, uh, to my knowledge, is still going to this day. What? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> what? Yes, Joey Donner, IRL, 
started like a cult. Here, let me look this up so I can give you the... (laughs) That is the most Joey Donner thing to ever happen. (laughs) (laughs) In 2014, Keegan founded Full Circle, a community spiritual center based in Venice, Los Angeles. Vice characterized the organization as a new religion, while other outlets called it a cult. Well, it makes sense because the world has gotten what? worse since 1999. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys have got to read the original Vice article about this shit. It is nuts. But he is so charming and in his sleazy, unlikable role in this part, with the part where he creepily invites the younger sophomore girls to ride home in his convertible, but then he's all like, watch the leather, you know, like every- <laughs> this movie is just so fucking good. <laughs> I have to briefly say also (laughs) that this cult was raided by the California Department of Alcoholic Beverage Control Officers for their distribution of kombucha. (laughs) I want to be a California alcohol control officer. So it's just like (laughs) sons and daughters of prohibitionists who have like kept a secret society of anti-alcohol people going or something. We are the daughters of the teetotalers who didn't quit. (laughs) (laughs) I would watch a movie about like cops that are just for like... Drinking too much. (laughs) I didn't know that was a special subset of law enforcement. (laughs) Maybe it just is in Venice. (laughs) Yeah, that would track. In another article about (laughs) this man. Who is still ludicrously handsome. He looks kind of like a better world version of James Franco, but you know it's not a better world because actually he like started a cult where they drink way too much kombucha. Yeah, so this man just is Joey Donner. Like this is exactly what I would expect from this character (laughs) if he were real. So So, yeah, it tracks. Meanwhile, Julia Stiles, our unproblematic queen, has, has not done anything terrible as far as I know since 10 Things I Hate About You. I think she's been in penance for doing Save the Last Dance and that (laughs) terrible, awkward white girl dance. (laughs) This was a trivia I looked up for this uh, recording. She booked Save the Last Dance off of the strength of her dancing tabletop scene in this movie. Which is some what? of the best drunk acting I could, but I don't know why anybody would give you a starring dancing role in a movie based on concussing yourself on a chandelier while dancing on a table at a party. Yeah. So, so okay, Jen and Samantha, who, what is our other guy slash girl scenario in this movie? Well, I guess Joey Donner. Joey Donner is the obvious other guy for Bianca. Oh, and it turns out also, uh, we kind of skimmed over that in the, the summary. I guess we're still summarizing. Definitely Andrew Keegan starting a cult is part Are of Are we summary. still summarizing? But- <laughs> <laughs> no, we're done. We got but, to the end. But, uh. So Joey Donner has this fascination with sophomore Bianca, right? And is trying to pick her up. And she thinks she's all special. And, you know, the everybody pays her all this attention. You know, she's kind of the it girl of the school. Well, it turns out that Kat previously had dated Joey Donner when they were both freshmen in high school, right after their mom left. I always thought that was very interesting about this movie too. It's not over-explained, but it's mentioned several times that their mom abandoned them. Like she's not a dead mom that's just, you know, not dealt with at all, like in the kissing booth. She's a mom who actually (laughs) abandoned the family. And you can see how that's kind of played out with the, like Bianca's gone kind of shallow and wants everyone to like her. And, and and adore her and and Kat is really angry about things and has become a, a little baby feminist you know and <laughs> and where was I going with this anyway oh Kat dated Joey Donner uh, and lost her virginity to him Eve, and then she decided that she didn't want to anymore and she wasn't ready and they had a falling out because he apparently thought that if you gave it up once then 
you were obligated to put out again, but instead Kat dumped him and became a feminist. Yeah, because becoming a feminist always has to have a traumatic origin story and uh, in a relationship <laughs> with a man, apparently. Unless you're uh, Bianca, who was kind of traumatized by hearing that, but like, girl, I know that these sisters don't get along the best, but like, this seems like it could have been relevant to mention to your sister before she actually had a chance to date and potentially have sex with this dude herself. However, two more characters we need to mention while we're thinking about other options um, who really may not be that relevant as others, but who are very important are Bianca's best friend, Chastity, played by baby Gabrielle Union, who wears the best sundresses in this entire movie. A Betsy Johnson. Even though Bianca's sundresses are the ones who get shouted out and has the best ever line about... I know you can be overwhelmed and you can be underwhelmed, but can you ever just be whelmed? I think you can in Europe. She thinks you can in Europe. (laughs) (laughs) But chastity is so fascinating to me because again, like Samantha was talking about side characters getting so much love. It's so apparent upon multiple rewatches of this movie that I have done since it came out in 1999, that chastity is uh, based on that sentence. I don't know if she's smarter, but she's definitely just as, if not more beautiful than Bianca. She's just, you know, uh, she's great. She should be the popular queen bee, but she's always kind of shunted to the side in favor of Bianca. And she has fucking had it by the end of this movie, which is why she betrays her after Bianca turns down Joey and and goes to the prom with him instead. And then... We have Kat's best friend, uh, Mandela. Mandela? Mandala? Uh, the Shakespeare-obsessed uh, chick who, <laughs> I guess, is apparently mostly there to remind us that this movie is a Shakespeare adaptation. And then she ends up going to the prom with Michael. Mandela. That's her name. Also obsessed with the dress that she wears. I love them getting together. I think that it's so cute. Like, it's, it's quite a small plot that's not really, like, very complicated, but I think th- I think that they're fun together. I do from too, and I think it's seen. so cute. It shows Michael do these terrible pickup attempts, like at the party of Bogey Lowenstein's party, and just strike out badly. But then it shows with Manzella, she's worried about. Uh, well, she says that she's not going to the prom, not out of principle, like Kat, but just because no one has asked her. And Michael yeah. goes out of his way to do this weird Shakespearean promposal for her, which is very sweet. And I am obsessed with the like that kind of dark chartreuse, pea green and red velvet yes. gown he gives her to wear. Like, that was incredible. Yeah, Michael, to me, is uh, maybe the most eligible guy in the movie. He, he knows his shit. He's wheeling and dealing. He's triangulating like nobody's business like he has a moped he's on another level this than is any true of he's got a moped he has somewhere he can get access to that gown he was scared to go into that bar and potentially contract hepatitis but he did it anyway for his friend overcoming like, fears yes <laughs> <laughs> let's see oh and then we have um We also have Heath Ledger, Patrick's friend, who is credited in the cast list as Scurvy, who I don't think gets any lines, but has that like... uh spiked mohawk and occasionally smokes a cigarette with him and stuff so i guess he's an option as well <laughs> i i think cat would have sex with scurvy and then they would never want to talk to each other again yeah that's just my read on scurvy <laughs> jen earlier you were making me think and sadie put this in my brain too of like if this movie had been done in the kissing booth 2 style where like everything's Overexplained, and like it would open with a narration from Kat of like, my mom left, then we moved to Seattle, then I stopped <laughs> dating because of Joey, <laughs> then I oh just found Shakespeare, you God. know. <laughs> God. But yeah, who are who's our most serious proposal for another guy? Let's make some cases. Let's let's be good little podcasters and and stick to our premise for at least two minutes. So I was going into it thinking, like when I was watch rewatching it this week for for this episode, I wasn't thinking so much of like Joey or like you know potential other suitors for Cat, but rather like out of the couples who is my favorite um because we have patrick played by heath ledger and then we have cameron and then we have michael as well and then we have joey so there's like multiple options and i mean ha 
There's just so many to choose from. I mean, damn. We've even got Bogey Lowenstein in there. Well, oh, and we also have Mr. Morgan. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to throw him into the mix as well. Wait. See, (laughs) now if Mr. Morgan were not for me, not for a teacher, his high school student, (laughs) he definitely. (laughs) Okay. I thought we were going in a really bad direction there for a second. (laughs) How dare you, Samantha? Never been kissed. Uh, You know, I was actually just thinking about Never Been Kissed the other day because I think it also came out in 1999. I was looking after Samantha was praising the movies of 1999 at a list of all the movies that came out in 1999. And that one, I don't know if it holds up as well as most of this one. Probably not. Although, you know... One of the reasons why 10 Things I Hate About You holds up well, and I was reading this in a retrospective, is it shows that this idea that we have that like consent is some new concept is like totally bullshit. Because here you have in a 1999 teen movie, the like good character being like taking care of a drunk girl and not taking advantage of her. Um, yeah. And like vocalizing that like it's not okay to like do, do stuff with someone who's too drunk to know what they're doing or to consent. Yes. And you have also the reason for the breakup between Kat and Joey was because she revoked consent. Apparently she was still okay with dating, but she didn't want to have sex anymore at that time. But Joey was not okay with that. And that's why he's a villain. And it's those touches that make me like forgive the movies sort of like we're making her an angry feminist who just needs to open up for the right man subtext because I do think there's some of that not so subtly in this movie, like (laughs) Kat holding out a trade paperback copy of the feminine, the feminine mystique, mystique, which (laughs) for the record, having read this in graduate school, a trade paperback would be the worst format in which to read (laughs) that book. You would really get a hand cramp, like holding that thing open. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I th- the only thing that I really can criticize this movie for now, in hindsight, and even at the time, I thought this was a little weird, was the decision to have Kat, like, flash the gym coach who was overseeing the in-school suspension oh my God. to, like, free Heath Ledger. From- I feel like if you showed your titties to a high school teacher that you also would probably be suspended, like, yeah. immediately. But... <laughs> So that was a a strange misstep in an otherwise pretty amazing movie. Like, this doesn't have, like, nasty ableist slurs in it or anything. Like, you know, it's it's pretty comfortable to rewatch in this day and age, with the exception of that one scene. And my God, that paintball park date they have, that is, like, the stuff dreams are made of. That is a real park in Seattle called Gasworks Park that's full of, like, old industrial, like, the the Gasworks old gasworks you cannot play paintball there that is <laughs> that is a, a movie contrivance the city of seattle would be very upset if you paintballed one of their most iconic <laughs> landmarks i also wonder a little bit about the uh the logistics of that because paintballs i've only ever seen people use them with the like paintball like airsoft guns or whatever you shoot them out of and now, like it takes like some squishing to squash a paintball so they were really fucking nailing each other with those things to be able to get the paint on each other but but it looks cute it looks so cute and like sadie said that was one of the scenes that really uh has such a good grasp on that this is set in high school like it gets the chemistry and like i guess the eroticism of that that vibe they are they're starting to build in and that moment between them without taking it into territory that would be inappropriately sexual for characters that age you know yeah yeah it also gets the sort of things that high school characters do i like that they do stuff that's not there is obviously the going to the party drinking scene but i feel like in teen movies of today that's often like the social activity that characters are doing together so i like that they have like a little duck boat or not duck boat paddle paddle yeah monsters a little paddle what, do they, boat. What, what do they write <laughs> <laughs> pedal boat uh what do they call those things i don't I know just pa- pa- 
anyway, little, yeah, because you it has yeah. little pedals that you use your, with your feet. Yeah, but yeah, and again in the drinking scene, also it's not that's like shown to be obviously like cool kids are there, and I guess this is what c- cool kids do. But Cat is shown to be drinking because she's really upset because of you know encountering Joey and realizing that he's trying to get with her sister, and it's like a a trauma reaction, not a like this is like a fun wacky you know scenario yeah i guess if i had to pick i would put bianca with michael i think they would make a really good like lifelong couple actually like michael would like short the housing market in like (laughs) uh, 2008 uh like a terrible vulture but make like a gazillion dollars doing it and bianca could uh live in the style and luxury that her OBGYN dad has kept her in. In a house, by the way, that last sold for like a million five. So that's that's what kind of money Damn. they have in the universe of this <laughs> but, movie. But what a wraparound porch. <laughs> Seriously. Oh in those windows. Uh, oh. I wish that house were in Seattle. It is in Tacoma, which is the city a half hour south of Seattle. Much of the, there's some iconic Seattle locations where they shot on location, but most most of the like humdrum everyday scenes and the high school scenes are all in Tacoma. But at least um, it's not in Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck Canadians <laughs> in their proper handling I, of the coronavirus pandemic. I, p- I, I right? spit on them. <laughs> no. They would hate that. Uh, <laughs> um, would rather, I, I would rather, yeah. <laughs> And I guess I would, I think Cat Patrick doesn't work. And then maybe in college later, uh, Cat and Chastity yes. do something. This is my thinking too. That like that they are not together work. yet because, yeah, I don't think any of these people are like end game except maybe Michael and Bianca. You've kind of sold me on that. But I also really liked that about this movie at the time too because there was such a glut of, and, well, and still in, in high school love movies um you know this kind of drive to depict this you meet your first love and then you're together forever and ever and ever and like patrick and cat end up back together with the gift of the guitar and they're happy for now and it's implied that they're gonna stay together but cat does not give up her plans to move and go to sarah lawrence you know i think that there's kind of a built-in expiration date to their relationship like they're gonna have a really nice summer i just don't foresee them doing whatever happened in the kissing booth too when the guy who fights went to harvard we can't get away from it (laughs) we cannot it will it's like the sun its gravity is inescapable the kissing booth too will worm its way into every thought i have in every conversation we ever have for the rest of my days samantha it's hard Hard to have a conversation about cinema in the year of our our our, our, I don't even know our our Lord. (laughs) Come up with something funny to say there, and then my brain just melted. Anyway, in fucking 2020, because the Kissing Booth Two is the movie of 2020. Like it's the movie we deserve. The kiss, as we record this, we don't yet have final results in the presidential election, but I fully expect the kissing booth too will be named the next president of the United States <laughs> the way this year is going. It's going to be Joey King's face. <laughs> and like. <laughs> So, oh god yeah y'all that's why we're doing 10 things i hate about you an objectively excellent movie this week to force ourselves to think of something different than the chaos that is going on in our country speaking of the kissing booth too i was able to and i was delighted to do this send sadie a out of context ah, zuma just tried to climb me and i am wearing a tank top so that was not a pleasant experience. oh no she tried to stop you from yourself the kissing booth too no your cat is leaping on you like stop (laughs) (laughs) um azuma i was saying oh yeah uh i was able to send sadie a out of context picture of jacob alordi holding a condom and a banana because (laughs) in a new direct streaming horror movie (laughs) 
he plays a safe sex campus ambassador. I curse you for bringing that movie into my life because I read the Wikipedia (laughs) summary of it and I was screaming. He then, I think, gives birth to a a monster. Yes. (laughs) Sadie, you know better than I do. I haven't finished it yet. Oh, well, I don't want to spoil it. (laughs) It gets a little wild. It gets a little funky. Does he die in childbirth? He does pass. I mean, Bella Swan did. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. His dick explodes. Oh, that's right, Ooh. because he gives birth he to, the to the demon baby, baby yeah. through his dick. Through the ween? Like, wow. Not just what a champ. Very safe. I guess that's why he died. <laughs> It's like, how did he get pregnant with the demon baby if he is a safe sex ambassador? Uh, He's like a hypocritical safe sex ambassador where Mm. like he gets girls by like being on campus doing his little banana condom magic trick. But then when that gets him in the bedroom, he's like, I don't need a condom. Well, that'll that'll get you in horror movies. If you're a hypocrite, you are not long dead. Yeah, (laughs) you might as well just write in real life could stand to take a lesson from that i must say like actual existence could take some notes do we think that jacob elordi could have played the heath ledger role (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i'm deceased you know i don't know if anybody could have played donner as well as andrew keegan did but i could see jacob elordi being the villain much more easily than i could see him could you imagine like a 20 year old jacob elordi like uh, in that bar scene that heath ledger somehow pulled off like i just don't see it he would fight with everyone if this were (laughs) the kissing booth (laughs) the movie would be about him murdering everyone besides cat who goes to the high school Could you imagine him doing the singing scene? Like, no. No? Which brings us I, maybe part- back to how charismatic Heath Ledger is. So, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Sadie. No. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say, is that Heath Ledger played Patrick so charismatically and, like, he had these, like, soft qualities to him. Like, he has, like, the longish hair and he, I don't know, he's he wears, like, the leather vinyl pants. I just don't think that Jacob Bellorty yes. or many actors now in 2020 have that pizzazz, that, like, funky sourdough flavor <laughs> that Heath Ledger brought to this role. Ah, the part where Cameron and Michael are telling him that he can't be a smoker anymore because Kat would rather die than date a smoker. And there might be another problem because based on a picture of Jared Leto they found in her drawer, they tell him that Kat likes pretty guys and he like pulls himself up straighter like with like the himbo wheels turning behind his eyes and it's like, are you telling me I'm not a pretty guy? And it's the most charming thing in the entire universe. And I love him and I wish he we're still with us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it's painful to think about the kind of roles he could be playing. Maybe movies would still be good if Heath Ledger could be in them today. It just, yeah, it feels like a really special quality that's like, you know, a lot of actors today try to try to think it's something you can like work at and create and uh, rather than something that, I don't know, a small subset of people in that field just kind of have. Oh my God. That scene where Joey Donner's first trying to hire him to date Kat and he's like fiddling around. He's got the toothpick in his teeth and is like talking and does the smile with it. Like Brad Pitt could never. Like, that's what Brad Pitt wishes he looked like when he's messing around with stuff in his mouth in a movie. You're just making me think of this whole generation of like, you know, bona fide movie stars we supposedly have right now, who I feel like have just tried to like, affect the like charm and charisma that like Heath Ledger just like, you know, wakes up with, you know, like DiCaprio just like is trying so hard in every role and Brad Pitt is just like, you know, like a famous imitation of like rebel without a cause james dean energy you know what i mean like i i i, I, don't know. I spit at their feet too <laughs> sadie has an especial beef with brad pitt right now as we are watching legends of the fall in preparation for the next episode of this podcast <laughs> I refuse to allow myself to acknowledge that we're doing that until I have to watch the movie. And even then, I'll probably pretend like it's not happening until we're actually recording the episode. (laughs) 
Well, that's what I would do with the characters. How would you match them up? So for the record, I'm putting um I'm putting Bianca and Michael together. And then Kat with Patrick, then Chastity in college, then no one. Then she runs into Scurvy 10 years later. And he's like cleaned up like, you know, former punk kind of like vibes of like, I have to go legit. Like, you know, can't keep following the band around on the road. Like, got to learn to be a CPA or something like Like, that. Like he's got the punk spirit still inside but he like learned how to shower and use deodorant yeah he's still got like some crusty edges but like he has to go work for the man to like afford his like little studio and his cat you know like and i that's where i would have cat end up with scurvy you know living in brooklyn uh in like a one bedroom samantha i love this because you hit every point i like there i like cat and patrick together but i don't see them as end game i really want chastity to get to have an amazing like queer experience yes and cat i think would be the one for her to do it with from this cast of characters and now i am living for this postscript with the the life of scurvy once he's like 25 <laughs> that should be the, the na- official name of the sequel the life the life of scurvy <laughs> <laughs> and she also has a brief run-in with scurvy like the d- the disease <laughs> and it's like a fun little <laughs> somehow that leads her to scurvy the man <laughs> who because of his name has become an expert in treating contemporary cases of scurvy <laughs> hey baby you want a lemon like <laughs> <laughs> the film's dramatic scene is him giving her like lemon CPR, like saving her from the scurvy. <laughs> he like takes a lemon wedge and puts it between his mouth as she's like passed out from scurvy, if that's even a thing that happens when is you have scurvy. Ha- I thought just like your gums bleed and your teeth fall out and stuff. <laughs> oh, hot. <laughs> J- Julia Stiles in like intense face prosthetics. <laughs> I'm still thinking on who I would pair up with who because it gets kind of like difficult because like half of the half of the people are sophomores and then half of them are seniors. So it's kind of hard to like mix and match unless you're wanting to do like a future uh, flash forward. But I I think that we can all say that Michael is objectively the best guy. Like he's the best one. Yeah, he's great. He's supportive. He instantly takes to this random new kid and just like takes him under his wing. He's doing so much wheeling and dealing <laughs> at at very little advantage for himself. It's really just to help Cameron, more or less. Um, he again rides a moped. That's a big bonus for me in high school. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he does he does this great so little adorable. like relatively underappreciated or like understated gesture with Mandela Mandala um, with the whole Shakespeare promposal that I think is just so cute and fun. And I love it. I love him. He just wants to be in the mix, you know? It doesn't yeah. matter if he's in, if he's benefiting. He just wants to be part of something. And I relate to that. And like Michael, like he he is going to make, make it happen, whatever needs to be done by any means possible. Do you all think that that was the first time Michael had had a Sharpie dick drawn on his face during negotiations? I do not. He kept his cool. He handled it. He took a, a drawing of a dick on his face to just set up this, yeah. Yeah, this thing for Cameron, who we just met. Michael is a great human being. Michael is going to get a deal with Mark Cuban on Shark Tank. You know, he... Oh, yeah. oh my God. Good shark things are coming Michael's way. Michael is going to become the youngest shark on Shark Tank. He's going <laughs> to yes. become so successful. Shark Tank high. Bogie Lowenstein will be laughing about his... Yeah. <laughs> be like, I invented a moped that if it senses you going out of control down a hill, becomes a hoverboard. And, <laughs> and the sharks will be like, I'm not sure there's much of a use case for this. 
and he'll be like, if we can even just reach 1% of people that this has happened to, uh, you know. He's well like, the, the trauma mind. is unbelievable. You, you can't even imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he'll be one of those contestants with like a sob story, except his will just be like <laughs> rolling his moped but down the, the way high school hill. He played that off, though, too, even before he checked himself for injury. He had everyone applauding. Like, yeah, he knows how to like. He knows how to work a crowd and he he's taken his diminished nerd status and turned it into like the kingpin of the high school. Like, yeah, <laughs> remarkable. Like, just think if Bogey Lowenstein hadn't turned on Michael, none of these events would have ever been set in motion. <laughs> True. <laughs> I looked up what happened to Bo- Bogey Lowenstein. Bogey Lowenstein became a comedian and a public speaker and a motivational speaker. Damn! But wait, what, what? the fuck? His his <laughs> Wikipedia page. <laughs> his Wikipedia page says he is an American actor, comedian, motivational speaker, and slow clapper. What? What, what is a slow clapper? Is that clapper? like a profession? Do you have to get like certified? Like, <laughs> I do not understand. Maybe that's some inside joke that one of his stand up comedy fans like put on his Wikipedia page that hasn't been updated in a little while. <laughs> you may be a little bit optimistic about Bogey Lowenstein's stand up comedy fans. You're like, hi, <laughs> if sure you're they're out there, professional slow clapper, you're like hired to go to like events where people are going to bomb and start start <laughs> slow clapping to try to build up a standing ovation for them. Oh my god. Okay, another couple I would like to propose out of this cast is is the OBGYN father, Walter Stratford, and Ms. Perky, the <gasps> erotica writing guidance counselor. Oh my god. Wait, right? who are you putting with Alice and Janie? <laughs> the dad. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that would be he, amazing. He needs a a strong lady to teach him a little something about, you know, romance and love and eroticism and help him chill the fuck out about being worried that his daughters are going to get knocked up under his watch. On his watch, under his watch somehow sounded way creepier, but you get what I mean. Under his watchful <laughs> eye. I love the dad character in this. I do too. Yeah. He is probably my favorite overprotective father figure in like all of fictional media because he's not like overprotective doofy he's like overprotective incredibly competent and like holding it down you know i feel like in the 2000s all teen movie dads became like like well-meaning doofuses and not like i don't know yeah whatever this is <laughs> and i mean damn he has a point like that was my ultimate fear uh, of when i was a teenager was getting pregnant even before i was sexually active like occasionally i would like work myself into an absolute fit of anxiety worry that somehow like a sperm was on a public toilet seat and i sat on it you know like it's a real fear oh <laughs> uh, we need sex education in this country don't we Bless his heart. When they're on the, they're gonna go to the party, and he's like, "Yoga, I want you to wear the belly." And she's like, "Daddy, no." And he's like, "Just around the living room for a few minutes to feel the weight of your decisions." <laughs> Their family dynamic is it's so, so good. Yeah. <laughs> Is this our favorite teen movie Shakespeare adaptation? Because there have been a few, right? Clueless is Emma. That's Jane Austen. Oh, shoot. Oh, my God. I hate myself. I resign as co-host of You Should See the Other Guy. A statement will be coming from my representative shortly. I.e. Zuma. Zuma. Zuma's statement will be meow. Uh, I didn't know this was cats. <laughs> she is very vocal. She is like, you can like literally tell what, what she's saying, which is apparently a quality of torty hairless cats is they are very communicative in very direct ways. So you can tell the difference between I want up there or take me down from my basket because I'm too sleepy to get down from my cat tree without falling over 
or feed me right now, you fucking monster. Um, yeah, sorry, cat brain. So Toxoplasmosis. She's, she's going to have a lot to add when she takes over your spot. On this <laughs> Samantha, you can't leave us. We're not going to let you forget that, but you can't leave us. Oh, I was trying to think you. what else. <laughs> I feel like I know like at least like 10 other high school Shakespeare adaptations, but well, I can't think of fucking any of them right now. She's the Man is an adaptation of Twelfth Night. And that's all I can think uh, of. The bowl cut in that movie oh chef's kiss you know how last week we were like (laughs) we were like uh you can trace the devolution of film from like the mummy through the mummy sequels or something like that i feel like you can also do it from like julia styles to like amanda bynes being the new face of teen movies no offense amanda bynes but julia styles is has got got a X factor that, I that mean, got lost in the two thousands. Her and her cheeky grin and her hair, <laughs> which needs its own podcast. Oh episode. my god! In nineteen ninety nine, actors were still allowed to have distinctive teeth. They didn't. It's all about have the to teeth, Jen. Those like chiclet veneers, yeah, that came in with Hillary Duff. Like, God damn, it's about the teeth. Was it Sadie that mentioned when we we did Eurovision that like how much respect and this is weird, but how much respect uh, <laughs> we have for Will Ferrell for like having you know probably obscene amounts of money and but just being like yeah why the fuck would i do stuff yeah. to my teeth like i think which we, we can afford also, to do because he's a man in hollywood blah 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 i think we also brought this up during is it i think it might have been keeping the faith where i was like gooped and gagged over her teeth in that movie yes <laughs> it's about the teeth oh, <laughs> it is it's about and oh my god and like around this era also kirsten dunst was like height of the like this was like when around when bring it on came out and then like the toby mcguire spider-mans and i love her teeth too but then by like the mid 2000s i remember like commenters on like the nascent like jezebel website referring to her as snaggletooth because they were mean and and it was just out of the ordinary to see somebody with real teeth in hollywood by that point Yeah, Sadie, I want you to write an incredibly creepy article of like my favorite movie teeth from the 90s. (laughs) You know I could do it. Let me pull out my binder. (laughs) (laughs) Top 10 most interesting cinematic mouths. (laughs) You know, I don't have a segue for this. But I like Julia Stiles, and I wish that, you know, things happen to, like, Hollywood actresses who get a certain degree of fame, and then they reach an age where people don't really know what to do with them, and they just kind of... I'm glad she probably got paid a bunch to do all those boring identity movies, but what a poor use of her talents, you know? Yeah, To just make her some, like, FBI-like agent or whatever. And I was so thrilled to see her pop up in Hustlers but she mm-hmm. was just a small character. She was like the the journalist doing the article on the, the stripper, the stripper robbers. Yeah, I feel like she's got more in her that we haven't that we haven't seen and that we've been deprived of seeing. It is right? high time or, I don't know. for a Julia Stiles renaissance. No, I agree. Bring back Julia Stiles. We all have forgiven. Save the last dance. Don't make her dance again. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start an activist movement. <laughs> Don't stop trying to make Julia Stiles dance. Act like there's this huge demand for it and we have to defend her from the pressure to do it. Just let her be great. Don't make her dance. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so adding to the endless list of movies that we still are going to have to do for this podcast, because this podcast is going to last forever. We all agree now we're going to have to cover Never Been Kissed. We need to do Bring It On at some point to argue in favor of sidelining the brother and getting Kirsten Dunst together with Eliza Dushku. And we got to do Center Stage. Mm-hmm. And also the Born Identity, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> the Born Identity. <laughs> and what? 
is going to be our, who's doing the choosing in that? Is it born or is it? Uh, Identity. <laughs> I- <laughs> He could choose between Julia Stiles and um and uh Franca Potente is her name. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that they both should get together and leave him. Seriously. My thinking there. He can like keep on knowing seven (laughs) languages and not remember anything that happens to him and they can just be like, bye. Didn't know I was co-hosting with two born heads. Oh my God. <laughs> Welcome to Born Heads. I'm Samantha. This is Jen and Sadie. <laughs> We're doing a deep dive into the Born Cinematic You. <laughs> we'll do a special episode like we did for Twilight, where we look at all of the Born movies. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your favorite big bad? Mine is uh, the guy from Big Fish in the Born Supremacy. <laughs> Or was that the middle <laughs> one? <laughs> Just the fucking... So, Franca Potent, uh, Potente, however you say her last name. I had forgotten about her. She was so amazing in that Run, Lola, Run movie, too, back in the day. But she had an iconic one of those. They, like, eroticized the doing a box, a shitty box dye job on your hair because you're on the run and you have to uh, disguise your identity in that firstborn movie, right? That's what really stuck with me from that. Yeah. <laughs> It's though you could ever disguise Franca Patente, you know? Right. Like, like look at her face. Like, <laughs> like, well, I don't know. This is that. That looks an awful lot like the lady, but she has kind of dull brown hair. Looked like it was dyed in a gas station sink with a box, like, <laughs> of, like L'Oreal. Doesn't Matt Damon end up actually sleeping with Julia Stiles by the end of those movies? Sadie, I know you want off of Born Heads, but. <laughs> It's going to last for at least long enough for me to get an answer to this question. This roller coaster can't stop for me. <laughs> Do you remember? I think maybe by the third one, it's or it's revealed that they used to be in a relationship or something that Matt Damon got amnesia out of his brain, which what a tragedy to have slept with Julia Stiles and not remember it. Have that amnesia away. That's, that's yeah. criminal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I kind of don't like those movies, by the way. I don't think they hold up. Too much squirrel camera action movies. (laughs) (laughs) They gave amphetamines to a ferret and let it do the cinematography. Oh, my God. Samantha, that also occurred to me, all right? Looking at this huge list of all the movies um, that came out in 1999, The Blair Witch Project came out in 1999. And unfortunately, introduced directors to the idea that they can just fuck and shake the camera around like mad like if if like a fight is happening (laughs) because I think it worked very well in that movie but yeah there was a real glut of shaky cam in the 2000s Uh, Sadie I'm sorry I apologize (laughs) oh hello I was I feel like by the the end of these (laughs) these episodes Jen and I always reliably around this mark go off on some 10 minute tangent (laughs) I see it when I edit them I see precisely the moment that I lose you because your track just goes silent for 10 minutes and Jen and I by the end of it are like I don't know talking about like something only we care about like our favorite Dollywood rides or something you know (laughs) you construct a glass wall between me and you two (laughs) and I can't crack it <sighs> oh, but goddamn, y'all! This movie is so good. That's the official yeah. consensus. All the the tangents. <laughs> all the all the men are are good in this movie, except for Joey. And I'm not a big I'm not the biggest fan of Cameron. I think that he's you know he's like a nice guy, and he's I don't I don't dislike him, but I think that some of his stuff is kind of problematic. Like I think that he has he really does put Bianca up on this pedestal that I would feel uncomfortable with if I were her. I don't know. He just gives me weird vibes. Yeah. He also kind of negs her, right? By the at the end. 
He's like, yeah. she's like, am I conceited or something? And he's like, hell yeah, you are, you selfish bitch. Now kiss me. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. You think you could treat people like crap because you're beautiful or whatever. Like, Yeah, he's kind of like a baby version of his 500 Days of Summer character, right? Like, Pretty we're cool. talking like nice die nice guy tm <sighs> yeah i sense a bad direction for uh for cameron <laughs> <laughs> like when bianca does get sick of cameron and she's ready to dump him to fulfill her true destiny by getting with michael that's gonna be an ugly scene like cameron is gonna be pulling some fucking standing outside of that beautiful wraparound porch holding a radio in the rain bullshit you know well is it that time are we are we i think it's time are we rating 10 things i hate about you i think I think it is time. I think this was a fun one to game out other guy scenarios that are almost as complicated as uh, Joe Biden's path to victory. And (laughs) that will be my only election (laughs) reference of the episode. And I give 10 things I hate about you four trade paperbacks of the feminine mystique. You knew I had to do it out of five. (laughs) I give it five plates of Thai food and feminist rock out of five. Yes! Yes! I love this movie. It's 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 one of my favorite teen movies and just my favorite movie in general. I think so much of it holds up. The writing is so fun and clever and it has so many iconic lines that are so like instantly recognizable as like from this movie. And it was just weird. Like it didn't try to be anything different from what it, you know, it 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 try it was its own thing, which I just love about it so much. Ah, it's so good. And also Heath Ledger is so good. Yeah, Heath Ledger gets 1 million fen- Strat guitars in heaven. Yes. Out and of five. also 100 billion pairs of black panties because we all want to yeah. have sex with Heath Ledger in heaven someday. For the movie, I give it five of five last instant misfired arrows during archery practice that hit your coach in the glute and wound him so badly he is limping in the rest of the scenes from the movie. But somehow this does not earn you in school suspension, whereas doing a little song and dance on the bleachers for the entertainment of people in the stadium gets you arrested. I love this movie. I eat it up with a spoon. <sighs> so good well Jen what should people do to our podcast what should they do once they get their grubby little hands on their grubby little ears filthy little show our little sound waves just bouncing around inside their hollow little skulls Uh, (laughs) did you just call our (laughs) listeners empty headed I was projecting uh, (laughs) based upon ourselves at this moment in time Our listeners should go listen to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever they prefer to hear podcasts and on platforms like Apple Podcasts that allow you to rate. We always appreciate a nice little five-star rating. Do it for Heath Ledger. And you can find us and talk to us on Twitter at YSSTOG, which is always a safe haven you can visit on Twitter where we will just be talking about some delightfully diverting bullshit instead of yes whatever real trials and tribulations may be facing the world and you can also email us at yssTOG podcast at gmail which we do not check incredibly often but when we do check and see we have an email we are delighted and you will have definitely made our day we love you thank you I hate it. I hate the way you're always right. I hate it when you lie. I hate it when you make me laugh. Even worse, when you make me cry. <laughs> <laughs>